0: Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite video games. Oh, I'm- yeah! Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm your host, Joe Prez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and you've already heard my stupendous co-host, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Oh,
1: my God, Matt Rossi! Ah! <laughs> hey, everybody. All right, we're going to be so taking you're a notice for the rest of the show that my energy level is low today so i'm trying to make up for it by basically being an incredible hype person so we'll see what happens
0: (laughs) it's uh it's been a day it's been a week it's been a month it's been a year yeah uh we're gonna be taking a break it's been a life it's It's been a life. life Uh, we're going to be taking a break from our, our series that we're doing on the artifacts right now uh, to answer some of your questions from our wonderful listeners out there. Uh, if you do have questions for this or any of our other podcasts, be sure to send them in. You can send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. You can also go ahead and send them in via Discord. We have a channel set aside for Patreon Q and podcast questions for all of our Patreon supporters as a way of saying thank you for supporting us. You kind of get first dibs at uh, asking us. Questions on any of our podcasts. Uh, and if that's not your thing, or if you don't like email and you can't really support us on Patreon, we understand times are tough. Uh, we do have one set aside that's just for Q and podcast questions, which you can throw it in there. Uh, we will look in basically every location. Just make sure you specify what show it is for. Otherwise, Matt and I are reduced to basically, you know, scrounging over the questions like dogs over a bone. And uh, yeah, no, we don't want to do that.
1: Yeah, I've seen what my dog does to bones. You don't. You don't want your questions treated like that.
0: Indeed. All right. So we are going to start with a first question here, and this is from the Naraki poet from Wormrust Accord. Greetings across time, watchers. How do you all feel about the theory that the first ones are the Titans? Could it be possible that the First Ones are the Titans as interpreted by the denizens of the Shadowlands the way that the new cosmic chart seemed to like a retcon until we realized that it was basically a rotated 3D model of the Old One? Or perhaps the Titans are reincarnations or vessels for the souls of the First Ones, their bodies enshrined within the Sepulchre. The First Ones obviously seem like pretty major new lore, and I personally find it a little jarring that they're seemingly so important to the Warcraft cosmos, but we've never heard of them before would love to hear your thoughts even if there is very little evidence at this point uh, just something i've seen tossed around on twitter Uh short version or go ahead mac right ahead
1: i was gonna say uh, i want you to go back to 2000 actually i believe 2002 i'm not sure 2002 exactly warcraft 3 comes out we've had two warcraft games before this some warcraft books quite a bit of lore already established uh and suddenly there's these weird purple elves that no one's ever heard of before, yet they're incredibly important to the or the entire history of the entire Warcraft universe, as far as we understand it. And they have this magic continent we've never heard of before. That's just—it's just as big as Eastern Kingdoms and is apparently super important. Again, never heard of it before. I'm not bringing this up just to be snarky. But, I mean, it's me, so I'm being snarky. <laughs> but I'm—I'm I'm bringing it up to point out that just because we've never heard of it before doesn't mean it isn't important. Uh, it's why would cosmic entities talk about the first ones with us? The first conversation we ever had with the Titans was inside Antares, and they were busy. Did it's all- like when, when I meet somebody, if, if let's say I meet somebody at like a car accident and we're trying to exchange numbers, they don't tell me all about their grandfather who moved here from Sicily in 1902, but it's still important to their life. It's just, we, we weren't at that place yet. That that's just one way to look at it. That doesn't mean that your idea is wrong. I just wanted to point out that just because you haven't heard of it before now doesn't mean it's not something that exists. That that's that's not how you know this kind of fictional creation works. Now I'm going to let Joe talk.
0: <laughs> it Matt raises a, a point that I think is very important with sort of Warcraft in general is that no matter how much we think we know, we are not. Uh, omniscient right we don't know everything and only we can only interpret what we've seen as far as characters go now here's the thing we don't know how old or how long ago the first ones existed we do know that they are different entities than the titans because the titans are acknowledged as entities uh in shadowlands they are an unknown thing um they talk about it there's several times that that, that sort of comes up with different NPCs, but we don't know how long ago Amon woke up. You know that he was the first one to wake up, but we don't know how long ago it is. It's entirely possible that they, like many other things, were seeded by the first ones, but we don't have any idea. Now, regarding things that we haven't heard before, if the Titans didn't know they existed, they can't tell their Watchers that they existed. The Watchers then can't tell us that they existed. We had no idea. And truth Although-
1: in fact- it is kind of odd. We don't know that the Titans didn't know that they existed.
0: It's true, we don't. And you were going on for something other there?
1: No, I. I'm just saying we see uh one of those uh basically it looks like Algalon in the raid Rigolon or whatever. I can't remember how to spell it, say the name. The Constellar. Yeah, but it's a Constellar in the raid, which implies that the Constellar's may have been a you know the ones that serve the Titans may very well have served the Titans for this for similar reasons we don't know this is all stuff we don't know
0: yeah and and there's a lot of things that we just we honestly just don't understand about the universe which is kind of one of the reasons why shadowlands has been such sort of an important expansion is it's filling in some of that blank space we know that the universe was created we know that the afterlives were created and now we kind of know where it originated from but we're still kind of piecing everything else together and matt pointed this out a while ago, and it's something that definitely rings true. We are creatures bound to time in a place where time kind of doesn't really exist, not in the same way that we think about it. Time doesn't march forward for them. not in, They don't count it the same way we do. It's not important. And so we don't know the length of time between events. We don't know how long ago things happened. Even when you're going through like the early questing in Shadowlands, when you're going through the memories of the different Kyrian battles or uh going through some of the previous uh sinners that were cleansed of their their sort of burdens in, in Revendreth, when you're going through these flashbacks, you don't have a context for how long ago they were because they don't count time. So it could be eons. It could have been at the dawn of the universe. It could have been something that was set in motion before anything else was created. And that's... Kind of a fascinating thing, because, like Matt pointed out, we have discovered very important things that never existed before. And he pointed out the Night Elves. Titans at one point didn't exist. There was no Titan anything. The Tomb of Sargeras wasn't necessarily a Titan facility. Originally, it was just a temple. It was something that had been corrupted and taken over. It was the Temple of a loon. Uh, which they kind of kept, but it was never mentioned to be a titan facility. There was no ties to it whatsoever. Um, even when Sargeras was first conceived and talked about in the story of Warcraft, he was just a titanic, a titanic demon entity there. They took time to flush that stuff out as Warcraft evolved. Uh, dwarves didn't have a civilization. Originally gnomes, dwarves, they were just part of the human alliance like world there wasn't an alliance it was just the human kingdoms and these subhuman uh deviations i guess you would call them at the time just worked for the humans they just built stuff for the humans uh hiles were around but they were just archers and maybe priests sometimes the world was a lot more bare uh hell. Orcs didn't like they were a very one-note thing that came through the dark portal. Trolls didn't really exist at that time. Back yeah, in the trolls 90s. didn't
1: happen until Warcraft two.
0: Warcraft 2, yep. Uh, Goblins were the same thing that kind of sort of coincided with uh, like dwarves and and gnomes. They didn't have their own society. They just kind of worked for the Horde. Uh, And I believe originally goblins were conceived as being part of like the Draenor races. Originally, originally that found their way over to Azeroth, not native to Azeroth. And that got changed as well. The evolution of things in this game are just sort of the norm and i know i've talked about this a lot now and i'll let matt say anything else he wants to add in but the people that are claiming that the first ones are the titans because that makes the most sense maybe it does to them maybe it's right but i don't think it is i think there is a clear distinction between like the pantheon of death which we now know are created physically created uh using the sort resources of the the forge that that exists in the sepulchre in Xerath Mortis, and the titans, which bear a lot of similarities to the pantheon of death in a lot of ways. I don't think they're more powerful.
1: <clears throat> I would argue that it seems pretty pretty fitting with what we already know, although it can always change, and I'm not dismissing your idea. Uh, I My answer to your idea is that we don't know. But my personal pet theory is that there's something like Xerath Mortis for every realm. Mm -hmm. Like there's another one for the Emerald dream, which is going to be part of a life realm. There's going to be another one for like for the fell. There's probably some place that makes demons inside the the fell itself. Some realm similar to Xerath Mortis that, that creates the chaotic miasma of the, of the fell. There's going to be one for the Titans. It's in the plane of order and that's where they come from. When the Titans come into existence in our reality, they're thrown into it like sparks of raw arcane power. And then, then they get like like welled up inside planets like an oyster. Uh, it's a shell that forms around them, yeah. Yeah, putting a pearl around an irritant. That's how the Titans come into existence. Um, I think you'll find that the, the similar things, there might even be one for the Void. There might be a void forge out there somewhere making void beings. I'm not you know, 100% on this, but I definitely think that's where the Titans come from. And it may very well be according to the first one's plans. Uh, I think the Titans and the Pantheon of death slash Eternal Ones are fairly equivalent in terms of power. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that one is particularly more powerful than the other. I think Zolval had a lot more time to work on his plan, um, but I don't think he's more powerful. I just think he was more clued into what he was trying to accomplish.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: partially because the the Eternal Ones seem to have remained in the Shadowlands where the Titans seem to have left the uh, Plane of, you know, the Order Plane, the Plane of the Arcane, to come into our realm. And I don't know why that is. It's just an interesting thing to think about.
0: But it is something I think is probably going to get explored as things go on because I can see where a lot of these seeds have been planted now for us to sort of draw on those little those little loose threads as we move on in the future of Warcraft. So we're going to find out, but Matt's right. We don't generally know, but we have a good inclination that they are not actually one and the same.
1: Clear that the Zoval's plan needed the uh, life essence, the soul of Azeroth. We don't know why.
0: Mm-hmm. Why is important.
1: But, but we know that Azeroth's world soul is at least it's significantly more powerful than Zoval because if Zoval could just do it, he'd have just done it. He couldn't. He needed the power of something that could actually drive whatever change he was trying to make. And that turned out to be Azeroth. So that's interesting to think about, too. Are th- are the world souls more powerful than beings that remain in their own realities? Can, can the power necessary to change existence only come from existence i don't know these are things to think about we don't have an answer but i definitely don't think that the titans are the first ones i mean if it turns out they are cool I, I will totally admit it uh i just don't think they are i think there's a reason the first ones aren't if the titans were the first ones they would just be called the titans
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, i definitely think there's a connection in that both titans and first ones use Waygates. um
0: I also think so, that if they were the the same, the Titans wouldn't have nearly the same trouble with the void as they've had in the past, as well. Because the, the if you can create life, generally speaking, in that capacity, in the way that the first ones seem to be able to, like the Titans reshape things, they don't generally birth new life. Not the same.
1: way. I don't know. I, I we'll see. I, I do think there's an interesting point about this whole idea of like w- the first ones' souls and so forth. That, oh yeah, that's worth there's, exploring. There's a possibility. Yeah,
0: But for right now, I think we're going to move on to the next question, but thank you very much. Uh, It's something we're probably going to revisit, especially as this expansion wraps up and we move towards the next one. Uh, This next question comes from our friend Riptides. Now that we are nearly at the end of the Shadowlands story, looking back at 9.0 to 9.2, do you think they originally planned to have three patches? Are there some narrative holes between the beginning and the end you think may have been originally planned to be flushed out more? Where is Venari? I honestly don't know where Venari is. And that's something that I think is a kind of a loose thread that maybe be a seed that's planted for later on. Cause I don't think this is the end of where we see the brokers. We know that the brokers can kind of move in between realms. They don't need way gates to do so. They have their own barges and methods of, of being able to do it. We also know that they can cross into reality because they have plenty of things from our world. If you go through Tazavesh by itself, uh, or if you don't go to Tazavesh, just fly around the theater of pain. Uh, you can see the broker uh, containment units that have items like infinite dragons or uh, demons or you know whatever else they can get their hands on that. Yes, some of them can kind of exist in other planes, but there's some very clearly this is from life. This is from reality or Azeroth's prime material plane ish. Uh, that they obviously got their hands on, and the question is how we know they have agents uh, elsewhere in the universe. Which this is an interesting thing that I, I thought was fascinating. It's a piece of loot that you get in the new raid. Zymog's uh, drops a neck, and the neck actually teleports you to an agent of the cartel Zy, and it's all over the place. And it's on a, whenever you teleport, it's different places like. At one point, it sent me to the bottom of the ocean next to, uh, in Battle for Azeroth, where the little Tortolan community is, uh, where there's like a little wedding going on. It teleports you there. Uh, It teleported me to Outland, where the, the... uh, Skeksis little outpost is just at the north of the ring uh, where you go into like the shadow labs and all that area. There's this little tiny village up there in the tree in the, the top of the mountain uh, that was an old, old quest that it teleports you there. It teleports, your, teleports you all over the place. Uh, so they very clearly have ties and connections that aren't in the shadowlands. So I think Vinari is important, but I think it's interesting that we didn't see anything from venari here yet. There is still time between expansions. Uh, this, While this is the last patch and this is the last major story update, quote unquote, we still have that time between patches where they start to tie up loose ends or time between expansions where they start to try to tie up loose ends and set the story of the next one into motion. So I have no clue. As far as other narrative holes, nothing that I can really see right now. All I'm seeing are things that will likely come back later. Um, and before I go any more about that, I'm going to turn it over to Matt and see what he thinks.
1: Well, yeah, like I, I would have liked to have seen the Drust come back, mm-hmm. like because we, we deal with them in, in Ardenweald, but it definitely doesn't feel like a full victory. Uh, but we do defeat the ones that are there. We just, some of them escaped before we could stop them. <clears throat> so they could definitely come back in the future. Otherwise, I'm pretty much on the same boat as Joe here. I think that we're going to see more. Honestly... I didn't expect to see Vinari, because Venari very clearly had some stuff she was doing on the side. like the whole reason she was there in the first place, we never get a straight answer on.: Yep, you know.
0: We don't know why the cartels are going after her.:
1: Yeah, there's, there's some stuff going on there. It's quite possible Venari was looking to do the opposite of what we did and go from the maw to somewhere else. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. but yeah, I think otherwise, I'm pretty much with Joe.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are some other things that I think are going to be interesting explanations later that I know don't get answered. And there's some mild spoilers here, and I apologize in advance, but like, we know that the Pantheon of Death are created, right? We know that they are essentially uh, robotic souls uh, or robotic bodies given a semblance of life via some form of soul or advanced AI, which is an interesting concept in and of itself that's sort of been introduced in Xerath Mortis especially with like the automata, we know that the, th- this is quote unquote life, but is it really? These things are programmed. We know that they're programmed. They're very advanced programs, but is that all the Pantheon is? Or are they actually alive? It, it is a fascinating question. And there's like sections of the, of Xerath Mortis. Uh, and when you're going through the Sepulchre, where if you've seen uh, the, the Eternals, the, the Marvel movie, There's a part where, like, the central location that creates the Eternals and sends them out into the universe, you just see endless rows of these robots. And there's a very, like, Eternal esque kind of cycle going here, where, like, you can see rows of frames in this forge area, very similar to what you have with the Titans. But it's never explained what they did with them beyond just the Pantheon of Death. Is this something that every afterlife gets a steward? Uh, Is that steward programmed? Is it just AI or is it anima forged into a new soul with purpose for this creation? There's a lot of really nifty loose ends in particular that because of the urgency of what we're doing in the sepulchre, we don't have time to sit and ask quite yet. And I think it's going to come back later as we start exploring other things. There are a lot of similarities. And I understand going back to the first question a little bit, why people make the com- the call between the first ones and the Titans because of the Titan forged and, and what we see in Zarath Mortis. But why did they learn this from looking into the Shadowlands? Were they programmed to be able to do that? Uh, there's a lot of of cool loose ends that are being or or seeds that are being planted now in this last patch that I think are going to start bearing fruit later on down the line. Uh, but I think that's it, unless there's anything else you want to add?
1: I mean, one of the interesting things, is too, is that we see the prototype Pantheon, and we see them, you know, that they're created in Zarath Mortis. We don't actually know. Like, we at one point, um, should we talk about, oh, bloody heck, I can't remember his little name. But we know that by the end of this, this patch. Yes, thank you. Pelagos becomes the new Arbiter.
0: Which seems odd when you uh, well let, let's let's back it up for just half a second and again spoilers uh, included if you didn't know it's not just he becomes the arbiter but there's a depowering of the jailer where he reverts back to that form that yeah
1: happened. that's after that's that's yeah. after that that's that's in the raid um when you see Pelagos as the arbiter he's it's still obviously Pelagos mm-hmm. it's just when they made the uh original arbiter the one that we we see up until the point where it gets its uh core ripped out it it doesn't look like it's got any kind of personality to it or you know what i mean it's never presented to us as a being with a mind and a, we never see it we never get to know it as a as an entity it never speaks to us it never even regains consciousness the entire time we're in the Shadowlands, that thing's unconscious and then it gets just you know taken by the arbiter by zoval who effectively reclaims its power. There's it feels like when Pelagos becomes the arbiter, it sort of implies that the souls of the eternal ones can be replaced. Mm-hmm. The power is different than the person. So Kyrestia the Archon, for instance, for instance, Kyrestia might have been an actual person, and then the Archon power, the Archon programming was put over her
0: almost like a mantle in much, right
1: in much the same way that pelagos is the arbiter now he looks like the arbiter but he's still pelagos with his own personality that he had before when they when the uh, when the others made the arbiter from, from zoval they didn't put anybody in there it doesn't seem they didn't do what pelagos has done by assuming it by becoming the arbiter in a real way it feels like they just set up a like it's like they created a a drone just mm-hmm. to, to just do the task without any sort of personality or will behind it. And I think that was their mistake. Um, but it's interesting to think about the fact that like, like Denathrius and, and uh, Carestia and the winter queen and the primus all have personalities. They have minds and wills. It feels almost like an inversion of the Titans where the Titans are like these souls from elsewhere that come into our reality and assume a body there. It feels like they these guys are souls that came forth and it's, and you know what I mean? Like they came forth into the shadowlands and assumed the bodies of the, of the eternal ones. It's a similar process kind of. So I, I don't know. It's interesting to think about. I, I keep saying it's interesting to think about because I don't have an answer to this, but I think it's something worth contemplating. The fact that Pelagos could go from guy who could never pass his Kyrian trials to the Arbiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, which puts him on a level where he is now at least the equal of the head of his former covenant. And we have no idea. Like we still don't know where these other first ones come, the et- other eternal ones come from. We don't they know don't either. Yeah. Denathrius, Carestia, the winter queen. We don't know. It, we don't even know if they don't know. Like we, we, we get the indications that they don't know, but we don't know for sure that the winter queen doesn't know where the winter queen comes from. Why Fair. does the winter queen call Elune sister? What does that mean? Why are they sisters? How are they sisters? They both seem to feel it. They both seem to view the other as their sister. Why? There's, there's a lot to this that we have yet to actually understand or see. And, and I know we keep saying that kind of stuff here on Lore Watch, and you, you might you're probably get tired. Just tell us something. We'd love to just tell you something, but unfortunately, we don't know. Um, but I do think it's interesting to look at that fact that what Pelagos has done by becoming the third Archon, not third Archon, third Arbiter, and the, you know, the first Arbiter was Zoval, and Zoval, as the jailers of was essentially stripped of himself and sent to the maw as, but his soul continued to exist. You know, it is, it is really interesting. Why is it? It isn't until we defeat him in this raid that he turns into a robot automaton. Mm-hmm. He didn't turn into an automaton when he got the Arbiter stuff pulled out of him.
0: No, we did that.
1: No I know I know, but my point is eons ago when when the other eternal ones defeated Zoval and stripped the arbiter power from him, he didn't revert to a drone, he didn't become like a, a robot body with nothing in it. His soul continued mm-hmm. because his soul is what we took out of him this time when we defeat him it's he, he for all we know, he just died. that's how it could be his soul just went to the maw. We don't know. But we do know that his soul was apparently removed from his body, whereas before it was that they took the 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 arbiter nests away from him, leaving that gaping mo- hole in his chest. It's like they pulled a component out of him. And, and we all saw when he gets the when he takes it back, he like fills the hole. He literally plugs it back into himself. It's very much like these things are component components of each other and they can be swapped out. You can swap the soul out. I think this time by putting Pelagos in as the arbiter, it, it it's why he dies because it's not like it's not like the component can be replaced this time. You can't yeah. get it
0: back. Yeah.
1: So there's 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 tantalizing pieces to this, but it is not a whole picture yet. And so it's very hard for us to give you a, a definite.
0: And I realize that we kind of didn't answer the the, the question of uh, the other part of the question. I don't think there's our narrative holes really between the the patches, and I do think that the three patches and the story beats were absolutely planned. I have seen some people claim online that uh, the story was changing as they were going through it, but we we had the the wonderful good luck of talking with Steve Denauer uh, during BlizzCon right? Like we got a chance or before BlizzCon, actually the the last BlizzCon, uh, we got to talk with him and talk about what the team was doing for the story at the time. And even he said they had everything planned out. They knew where they were going. They had a unified direction and we know that they start planning well in advance. So not only were these three patches planned for story wise, uh, we know that they've probably planned on well into the next expansion already. Uh, we, it's one of those things where we sometimes players sometimes make this incorrect assumption that everything is done on the fly and it's really not anymore. Maybe it used to be, and you can see some evidence of that in like very early world of Warcraft, but also they didn't expect the game to be around longer than a year, maybe two. And then you start having all these expansions and all these different story things, and you had so many people throwing ideas in for storylines and quest stories and raid stories and expansion stories that until they had a team dedicated to sort of unifying that vision and sort of steering the ship to where it needed to go, yeah, I could see that maybe that was the case. But now they, they are definitely... On board. And we know from not just talking with Steve, but also talking with Anne uh, when she was guested back on our show that they work very heavily with the other members of the teams on Warcraft, all of them, the people that do the questing, the people that do like the actual like level design and things like that, because everything sort of culminates with working together. So, three patches, well, the, the 9.0, uh, more than three patches, but 9.0, 9.1, 9.2, the major patches. Those were all planned. The in-between bits were all planned, and what happens after this still planned, and what happens in the next expansion still planned. So I don't think there's any holes because I think they've already they already know what they're doing with it, right? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. You basically there might be some improvisational noodling here and sure. there. there. Might be some quests that just someone wrote. Uh, hey, we need a quest here. Do that. But the bare bones, the bones of this story are are in advance. Like, they knew they were going to do something with the Shadowlands back in Legion. Because look at the stuff they were dropping in Legion. The, the Lich King gets more involved. Sylvanas becomes Warchief. They were definitely new. They knew the broad strokes of where they were going. Uh, does that mean that, you know, it's possible that some stuff changed and they had to, like, you know, make some adjustments? I, I don't know, but it's possible. But I don't think that this is a case of them, you know, There's no way that they were going to do five patches and then decided, oh, now we'll just do three. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. Um, It takes time to ramp up a patch. It takes time to design these things. This is time that was already spent. So there might be some things you're like, hey, why didn't we get anything about that? But there's there's just no way it was that open. Agreed. That would be my argument.
0: Alright, but I think that hopefully answers your question. Thank you very much. We're going to move on to our next one, which comes from Zanstalker. Uh, hi, guys. I can't help to think that the story of... Uh, Z- did you meet yes, yep, This is okay. intentional. Uh, I can't help but think that the story of Zoval is the story of Sargeras and that the story of Sylvanas is that of the Lich King. Uh, this one with a different ending where Sylvanas breaks free, quote-unquote. Am I missing key points that made the overall story evolve apart from learning about the afterlife? This makes me sad because I now expect that the next big bad to be a sargera Solvall, where it thinks it knows best for all so he needs to destroy or control everything so we've talked about this before and there's something we we've even when anne was still here every villain believes that they are the hero of their own story and in some cases they might actually be trying to do something heroic it just isn't what we expect it to be. We are forces of opposition, right? Go ahead,
1: Matt. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, there's let me, let me put it this way. There's, there are some stock tropes that Warcraft does like, mm-hmm. but I would argue that one of them is the, 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 the idea that the antagonist believes they're right. Um, one of the reasons I love Gul'dan as a villain is because Gul'dan does not believe he is right. Cause he doesn't give a flying bleep, 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 bleep about Right.
0: Yeah, he's not doing what All he's that, doing for altruistic reasons, right?
1: Yeah. All that matters to Goldon is himself. He is magnificently selfish and he does whatever he thinks will benefit him. And he doesn't care what happens to anyone else. Like if the easiest fastest way to power for Goldon was to open a kitten sanctuary, he'd have one. But the second kitten souls, you know, became harvestable for harvestable for power, he would be doing that. Like if you've ever played Bioshock, I promise I'm going somewhere with this. There's the little sister conundrum. Yeah. You've played. Yeah, yeah, yeah played. Yep. Gul'dan would not even have. You'd be explaining it to Gul'dan and he'd already have harvested all the little sisters. Like, yeah. Not a problem. That's so that's a kind of villain we get in Warcraft. But you can't have that many villains like that because one of those guys. Yeah. Okay. But if they're a legion of them, you can't do anything with them. They, there's, In order for like an evil group like to be to serve as proper antagonists in a story, they have to have a motivation. And if their motivation is just this guy wants more power and he is promising other people power in order to get power for himself, that works once or twice. But that's a very legion-y approach to things. It's, it, it works for Gul'dan. But it's not going to work for everybody. The idea that Sargeras has a, you know, Sargeras and Zolval to me are very different because of the way that they work and the, the way they came to their, their, their conclusion. Soval came to the conclusion that the, that the first one's creations was flawed and decided to fix it. And then got himself booted by his, you know, fellows who stopped him. Sargeras was like, he, he didn't have the idea that it was flawed. He had the idea that it was going to fail because of something he saw. That shocked and horrified him. Sargeras is traumatized. Mm -hmm. Sargeras isn't. He isn't convinced he's right. He, in fact, desperately wants to convince you he's right. Not you specifically, but he wants to convince the others that he's right so that he will be like it will validate him and he will be like relieved. He won't have this gnawing panic in the back of his head that everything he's done has been for nothing. At no point does Zolval care what anybody else thinks. So Val is very much more like Goldon in that way. And that he, he made his decision and he does not care if nobody agrees with him. If they do, great. But he doesn't care. You can see in how he interacts with the other Eternal Ones. He does not give a rat's behind. He doesn't try to convince them of anything. He takes what he wants. And if he can't take it one way, he'll take it another. He's very different from Sargeras in that way. Sargeras is very much about convincing people. Look what he go, when he when he decides he's going to create the Burning Crusade. He goes and finds the Eridar and he convinces them to come work for him.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: he explains his situation. He tells them now it's curated. It's very carefully curated. But he's looking for followers. He wants people to agree with him that this is for the best. It's very important to him. His whole reason to come to, to Azeroth in the first place was that he wanted the powerful Azerothian world soul on his side. He Does wanted the, it to believe him.
0: The same with the, the same with his brothers and sisters in the Pantheon.
1: Yeah. That's, he captures them and he starts trying to, he's trying to convince them. He's right. Sure. He's brainwashing them, but once that's over, they'll, they'll stop arguing. They'll be a with family. they agree with him. Yeah, Exactly. That's very different. And no time to Zoval like trying to get the other four to agree with him because he doesn't care. He is very much like what Gul'dan would have done if Gul'dan was in Sargeras's position. He's very much a, I, you know, I am right. This is what I want. Therefore it will happen. So he's, he's got elements of Sargeras, but he's very much more like Gul'dan. Um, as for Sylvanas and Arthas, I think Sylvanas herself, recognizes if you if you get to the end of the story so Loss herself recognizes that she has been walking in arthas's path yep not just like chasing after him not just trying to destroy him literally the same fate like the same things just like S- Arthas. if you go back to wrath of the lich king I- i'm talking a lot here so if you want me to shut up tell me dude but if you go back to wrath of the lich king Arthas spends the entire freaking expansion trying to get you to agree that you, that he's right.
0: Yeah, he does. He absolutely does.
1: And it's like it goes back to the BlizzCon trailer for Wrath that came out during Burning Crusade. The the little you know young hero I was once like you. That you ever see that? If you haven't seen that, that video by itself is incredibly explicative of Arthas. Mm-hmm. Arthas from the beginning wants you know. He, As a young man, Arthas is convinced, I, I will be a great king someday, like my father.
0: Look, look, at, the opening also, look at the opening to, to Wrath of the Lich King. Look at that entire cinematic. It's his father talking about what a great king he's going to
1: be. Yeah. And Arthas is not just a king. He's also a paladin. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be an absolutely righteous and noble king. He's going to be this amazing thing. And his entire life is spent in pursuit of that. Um, and it's really telling if you read. I mean, Chrissy Golden's Arthas novel really helps with this. If you read about Arthas's story, Arthas is, is desperate to be this figure, to be this like king of righteousness that he's. He believes it is his responsibility to be. Um, and when he and when he loses out, when he does something wrong, something there's always a price. There's always a price to be paid when he messes up. Um, the, the objective correlative, this is his horse invincible, which you can see, um, sorry, the pun of that just struck me. Uh, I was going to say, which you can see when it dies, when, when invincible dies and Arthas is like, you know, this is my fault. I was, I was pushing too hard. I was, you know, I was joyriding and now my horse is dead because I wasn't, I wasn't focused. This, this animal died in pain because of me. And a lot of people don't get why that's, that makes the horse so important to him. But when he becomes the death knight, the reason he goes and he raises that horse from the dead is because he is proving to himself that this is not a curse. It's not evil. It's not a punishment. It's his means to accomplish that thing, which he has always been trying to accomplish. He wants to fix things. He wants to be the rectifier. He wants to be the great king who will save and redeem his people. And if they all have to become undead for it, well, hey, now they won't die. None of them will ever die. And I will be the one who defeats the Legion. I will be the one who who fends off the forces of the Shadowlands. I will be this great hero. You just have to look properly. You just have to see me. And if he can get people to agree with it, to believe it, then he believes it himself.
0: And let's go through some of the other villains that we've had that are sort of like big villains. And and let's look at Garrosh. Garrosh- was doing what he thought was right, not that he cared what anybody else thought, but he was doing what he was basically brought up to believe was the correct way of doing things in his very limited scope. He was that general, that warrior.
1: I would argue that he, you know, I, I would argue that, that Garrosh cared. He did. But but not like when you said he, he didn't care what others thought. It's that Garrosh had a moment in his life where everything he believed turned out to be wrong. And that sounds like it might be a good thing, but in, in Garrosh's case, the reason it was a bad thing was he was taught that, you know, he had to be careful because of what his father did, that his bloodline was tainted, that the, the methods of the past were, you know, dangerous. And then someone comes along and teaches him that everything he thought was wrong, but doesn't teach him the proper method to accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. So what examples did Garrosh have to f- to fix to found an identity on. You know, his father, who he had been told was, you know, all these years was like the reason everything was horrible, was now revealed as the reason that his people had been saved. Yep. So of course he's going to embrace the acting like his father and the other orc warlords. What else does he know? He's literally never seen any other path, you know, he didn't see Doomhammer as an old orc crushed by regret. He just heard stories it is really fascinating to see how Thrall dropped the ball on Garrosh.
0: Let's Garrosh. I was going to say, there's more villains. We could talk about Garrosh for a long time, but I, w- I just want to kind of go through some of the, 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 the list of some of the other major villains that...
1: I'll go with Deathwing next.
0: I was just going to say we have Deathwing, who was essentially corrupted, uh, it bought into the whispers and lies of an old god and pressed into service, uh, which took his entire clutch with him, took his entire uh, dragon flight with him. Not just him, but look at his son, look at his daughter, look at Anixia, look at Nefarious. Like they as well. Were they, are, are they just doing what they think are right? Are they just looking for power? Like look at their motivations as well. Um, we can go through any number of the mem- members of the Legion that existed before, and we can go through Kill Jaden. We could talk about Archimond. Uh, who maybe thought that they were doing the right thing at a certain capacity, but they know at the end of the day they were smart enough figures. If Velen could figure it out, they damn well knew for sure.
1: Well, Jaden what- absolutely even says as much. Yeah, the reason Jaden kept going with the Crusade wasn't because he believed in it. He was because he didn't think it was possible to defeat Sargaris. Yeah, it's like if the world, if everything is going to come to a d- destructive end, it's better to be the last one out. Yeah. And that's what being in the Legion meant, you know, until everything was cleansed, you know, being in the Legion was a, was the way you were going to survive this as long as possible. And then when it looked like Sargeras was actually trapped, it's like, oh, well, I can be in charge of the Legion. Mm-hmm. Now it's, I mean, I still have to keep placating these demons and we still have to keep destroying worlds, but it never has to end. I can, you know, I can do other stuff. I can, you know, there's a, there's a whole part. In a, of all places, Burning Crusade, where Kiljaden says, as he's stepping forward through the Sunwell, "Now I will do what Sargeras could not." Yeah, and he's he's trying to prove to himself and to the Legion that he's better at running the Legion than Sargeras was. Because Sargeras, if Sargeras told you to do something and you didn't do it, he would just destroy you
0: and then torture you.
1: Yeah, and and in that order. And, yeah, exactly. So th- there's a. It is really interesting to say there's actually a wide variety of like, yep. look at the difference between Kael'thas as a villain and, and Elis- Sylvanas, as, you know?
0: I was going to say Kalthas and Alessandra. Look at the difference yeah. there.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, um, I don't think it's that simple. And I don't, t- t- the other question to ask you is, you're asking, uh, is the story of Zyvald, is the story of Sargaris and the story of Sylvanas is that of the, of the Lich King, which similarities exist, but they are not the same. I think that part said, but he's saying, are I missing key points that made the overall story evolve apart from learning about the afterlife? I don't know what that sentence means.
0: The, it's the definition of the difference between uh, Arthas and Sylvanas being understanding what the afterlife was. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think Arthas knew more actually about the afterlife after becoming the Lich King than Sylvanas actually knew about the afterlife uh, I think if anything, he was more informed because he was able to look into the Shadowlands further and more fully than she was. Because don't forget, and this is something we talk about a lot too, Sylvanas in the past, when you start going through like some of the events that led her to where she is, I'm not trying to make excuses for her to make that perfectly clear. Her choices and, and what her character did are definitely her choices. But Flinging herself from the top of Ice Crown was sort of the start of this sort of downward path when she's quote-unquote dead and all she sees is nothingness. And then she's convinced that that's all that awaits all of the people that she has come to protect and who she has tried to seek revenge for. Then she makes a deal with Helia. Then we don't know what Helia showed her. Then she makes a deal with Zoval through Helia. We don't know what Zaval told her, but we do know that it wasn't a complete picture. And even when we get to the Shadowlands, she doesn't acknowledge that there are realms beyond these four, right? Like, she doesn't acknowledge that there are an infinite number of, of afterlives that are out there. Zilval never really tells her that part. He tells her, this is the machine of death. This is what you serve. You're going to be in forever servitude. That's what awaits all living creatures. And I'll help you break it. And then he goes, oh, by the way, you're just going to serve me forever, too. It, the difference is that Arthas probably already knew a bunch of that. There's-
1: Arthas had already basically decided, F this. Yeah, because once you put just the like helmet homodem- Nirz- yeah, down. Yeah, once uh- Ner'zhul had said, F this, to it. Bolvar. Yeah, Arthur said F this to it. And as soon as Bolvar got the hat on his head, the first thing he said was F this to this.
0: So they knew. Like, oh.
1: Yeah, they knew and they were working on ways around it. Yep. That's so- why he needed Sylvanas. That's why he kept Sylvanas ignorant so that she would do what he needed her to do to, to get that helmet away from them. Then she went and did something he didn't expect and she broke the helmet. That kind of almost messed things up. And, you know, I'm not sure that. The whole time, using Euselvanus in the way he did was always dangerous for him.
0: It was a gambit. It really yeah, was.
1: It ended, it ended up working out for him, but there was always a lot of possibility of this going south. So, so but yeah, to answer the question, I think, and then I'll let Joe come in with his final thing and, and finish it off. I don't think that it's as simple as these, these are just the same people. I do think that Blizzard does like repeating themes.
0: I think that they I agree. I think they like repeating themes, but... Each of the individuals, I think there is a there is a surprisingly vast amount of types of villains that we go against in Warcraft that I think it's more variety than I'm used to seeing in a lot of other games. And I think if you really sit down and take a look at it, you'll start to see that variety, too.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not like in the Final Fantasy games where, oh, geez, another Nihilist who wants to destroy all of existence. We have those, but we also have other stuff. It's not like, you know, oh, my God, another Kafka.
0: <laughs> oh, God, Kafka. That's uh, a show in and of itself. All right, but we're going to move on to our, our last set of questions here. Uh, these ones come from Stouty Poofs. Uh, the first question is, so pretty sure we will no longer have a Lich King when we return and no Banshee Queen with Valkyr to keep the Forsaken going. So what do you think the future holds for Undead and Death Knights? Will they simply die out?
1: I hope <laughs> and I'm not kidding. And I don't mean this in a, I hate the forsaken way. I think the story going forward for the forsaken should for at least a couple expansions be, oh, 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 oh. we don't have any means to continue. We are the only ones and there will be no more of us. And let's explore that.
0: And let's ex- let's, I yeah, go say, let's I was gonna say let's explore the relationship of Kalia and what that means to them as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Kalia stole is still the there- wild card. Is there another way to be undead? Is there another existence for them that doesn't take that doesn't change them from what they are, but another way that they can be what they are? Is there another path forward? Um, as for the Death Knights, they're
0: not going anywhere.
1: I think. Well, as you're a Death Knight, you're gonna maybe they won't be making more of them. There's no Lich Kings, so they won't be making more. But the ones that they are there could last a very long time. They're all very powerful, and the Shadowlands has just proved you need people who can fight it.
0: But not only that, like, but I mean, like, do, do they even need the Lich King anymore at this point? Do they? Well,
1: I mean, that's the thing. They don't seem to.
0: Do they? And before the Lich King really existed, you had the uh, the original Death Knights, right? Where they were souls and truncheons being wielded by corpses, essentially.
1: Yeah. By Goldon, Goldon's idea. I think the current, the way the Death Knights are right now, though, they've got a good command structure in place. They've got Darian and the Force Horsemen, and they've got Bolvar.
0: Yeah. Bolvar's still around.
1: He's not the Lich King anymore, but although, I mean, who who ends up with that crown? The so, crown of of will? I don't remember who gets it at the end.
0: Palagos. I think yeah, it's Palagos. So, I'm pretty sure it's Palagos.
1: So there's also that like they could very well serve a role where they're more like psychopomps. Yeah. Where they're like guardians of the path like of you know, the 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 Valkyrie are basically still under Helya's control and Helya is gone. She escaped. She absconded. But now all the power that the, the jailer gave her, she just effed off to her own plane. And now she's a threat and Muizal is a threat. And they don't have Oh Muizal's a threat.
0: Canonically we take care of him.
1: Uh, just because he's currently getting slapped around by his former servant doesn't mean he won't come back. Yeah. Fair. And that's my point. It's like there's dangers to that that whole pathway between life and death that need guardians. So I was just going to say so. that
0: you have two things on the path of life and death that I think are, are, are really important here. Like the death Lights, like you're saying, they're, they're like, they're almost custodians of the path at this point, And they can sort of take up that role. And as we started to learn throughout this expansion, that might've actually been their original role. That might've been what they were supposed to be conceived for in the very first place, but got perverted like a lot of the other stuff and, and tainted. Now the Kyrian who are, let's, let's skip the Valkyr here. The Valkyrie are going to be an existential threat as long as Helios around. But the Kyrian aren't, and the Kyrian aren't serving blindly anymore, which I think is probably the most fascinating thing about their particular story arc, is at the end of it, at the end of their, their campaign, they're not erasing their memories, they're not just serving with blind duty, they're understanding what they're doing, and now Pelagos, Pelagos, one of their own, One who is arguably the least among them is the Arbiter. Do you think he's going to ask them to serve blindly? Do you think he's going to tell Chirestria that they need to just stay in their lane? No, I think that they're going to be a little more mindful of what they're actually doing now. So, like, yeah, the Valkyrie are gone, but that doesn't mean the Kyrian are. That doesn't mean the Kyrian can't go, no, I'm going to help them not be this decaying husk of undead that might have been an intentional skewing of this uh, like thing that Helya did in order to force the Forsaken into a role to be called upon later, to force Sylvanas into sort of that corner, right? There might be a purer form of undeath or resurrection that Calia might be the norm. Calia might actually be the uncorrupted version of that, and that might be something that they can explore later on. I'm here for that. I'm here for the exploring of what the forsaken identity is and what their existential crisis is now. So, it, this is there's some very exciting things I think coming for both Death Knights and the Forsaken, and I think we're going to start exploring that probably middle to end of next expansion. I think this going to it's going to play a role. Sorry. Anything else to add to that one before we move on to the second question?
1: No, I think I think we're okay. We should probably move on. All
0: right. The last uh, question from Study Poofs here. Uh, the Firm and Exile bits and other lore in Xerath Mortis lead to the thoughts of a Xerath Mortis for each of the six cosmological forces. We've already talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, and also a Pantheon for... Each on the level of the eternal ones. Curious your thoughts on how these might look like, and would a loon be in the life or light pantheon? Also, seems the titans fall below a rung in the order area based on the cosmos chart. Seems that would need redone with the current knowledge, or maybe they're serving in higher pantheon? Question mark. Uh, there's also hints to a seventh unknown power in the cosmos. Uh, needs to united and ready for. Curious what you think that may be. Uh, a Morgoth, thanks for all you do for the community. So they're breaking it down a little bit and trying to fill in some of the gaps. So the cosmological charts, Matt already talked about this uh, earlier today. There is something to that. I think Matt is right. I think that there might be something like a Zareth Mortis for all of the, the major domains.
1: Well, the very fact that there's a Mortis at the end of Xerath mm-hmm. and we know it's the word Mortis means, is Latin. It means, you know, it's it's from the Latin. It means it means death. Is there a Zereth, you know, Lumen, a Zereth, um, you know, for everything? Is there a Zereth life? I can't remember the life for Zarath Zereth Vitae, it would actually be. Um, is there a Zereth for each of these forces, like a Zereth Fell? Um, and it's interesting that Zereth and Azeroth are so similar. Like, are each of the. We've been told before that Azeroth is special, that it is the final Titan, that it is this unique thing. It's possible that Azeroth is literally the reason for the cosmos.
0: And why everything touches the prime material.
1: It might actually all be touching Azeroth. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the reasons the other Titans might have existed was simply to come into existence to shepherd Azeroth into its final form. That all of the, the works of the first ones, the creation of existence, was to create Azeroth in the first place. Uh, and that's that's something to think about and consider. Again, I keep saying that. My God, i got to get a different line. But seriously, think about this concept, that each of the Zeraths is a vortice. On the, uh, the 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 cosmological chart we will say they're, they're a as a, a, a point of fixture and from Zaeth mortis the the jailer attempted to access Azeroth's soul and draw it forth to use to remake the universe why is that possible from Zaeth mortis why is that why would you design it that way unless it was originally designed to go the other way mm-hmm that the power was supposed to come from Xerath mortis and go to Azeroth. And maybe not just that, like from each of these vortices, again, I, I, I include void in this. Uh, if that, therefore, if there are these things that are all aspects of existence, even the void, which is essentially the aspect of unexistence, like we've both got death and non-existence in this, this vortice. So what could this seventh force be? Um, and we've talked about it in work chat. We've talked about it amongst each other. Um, one idea that I had was that it was like nihil, but nihil not in the sense of of nothingness or emptiness, because that's in the vortex. Uh, but the there's this always interests me. The fell was once described as being the, the product of the annihilation of light and dark, of of the void and light, it destroying each other. That provided power, which created the fell. Is there a force that would do the same thing with just existence. Is there essentially an antimatter cosmos that would consume everything, and its its own power would be birthed from it? I don't know. There's nothing in the game that says one way or another, but it's worth thinking about in terms of this idea that from the from the Zereths you get this one creation. Like wh- one of my favorite comic book stories of all time is Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh yeah, yeah. And one of the things about crisis that I loved was the idea crisis is fascinating to me because it's a story that basically it sets forth the uniqueness of its premise. And then by the end of it has eliminated that premise. So it's an extremely well-told story that exists to destroy itself. Um, But one of the things that's really interesting to think about in terms of what we're talking about here is this idea of if you've got these forces coming together to create Azeroth from the Xeraths, um what if the first one plan was essentially to make a unity Mm -hmm. out of these other forces that are otherwise in opposition to each other if you look at the cosmological chart not as a chart but as an orrery um think of it as a fourth dimensional orrery where each of them is in orbit around the others and none of them is the central point the central point is inside it's like an atom the central point is is at the center where everything deviates down to everything derives down to this physical existence. Joe's talked about this before the reality that they exist in is made up of all of them. We, we see that just in how void entities interact with the universe, the, the, the the thousand truths, you know, what do, what does the void provide creation possibility? What does the light provide creation? Actuality. 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 Like this is the re- this is the possible, this is the actual. We have to have them both. And what this that means that the void isn't the void of nothing. It's not destruction, it's not the end. It's the void of it isn't yet. Yet. There's a temporal aspect to it. There's a yet. And that's what the opposite force, the seventh force isn't a force. It's the opposite of all those forces we've already seen. It's the the it's not death because death is dependent upon and related to life. It's not life. There's, and, you know, there's oh, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say there, there's, I'm going to liken this back to, to probably one of my favorite story universes. As far as games go, there's an element of this in like 40 uh, Warhammer 40,000. Uh, Where you have all of these forces, whether it's, you know, the individual armies or whatever you want to call them, these empires, but also these forces of like great power, but every single one of them sort of cowers beneath this one force that the universe has been working against actively since time immemorial, and this includes chaos in in humanity as well, all the, the races that have ever existed, they're trying to stop the great devourer from consuming and converting everything in the universe as well as the warp. And it's this idea that there's this threat, this threat that just wants to take everything in existence and use it as fuel. And this goes back to the idea of what Matt pointed out. There is this idea that something a seventh force may not be revealed to us because it isn't fully formed yet because it needs the conflict. It needs the imbalance of the universe to exist. We're tilting things on its side and nudging things ever so slightly. Uh, it, it's like those, those uh, tense, uh, those, those tensity table type things. It's something in perfect tension where everything balances everything else And that conflict that exists between them is also what stabilizes them. But if one thing happens to push one of those further away from the other and change the way that the tension works, the whole thing collapses. And that's kind of what I think the Seventh Force is looking to do. It's looking to collapse the system, absorb it, and consume it. Everything that Matt said I think is correct. I think it's spot on. It lines up with stuff that I've been talking about for a very long time as well we both have really it's there's something that doesn't necessarily want everything to stop existing, but it wants to use it so that it can exist. And that's the seventh force. We don't know about yet. And it will become apparent to us at some point. uh, Zoval dropping that line now lines up with a lot of other stuff that maybe there's this existential threat that's always existed. And I think, I think we're going to start to see bits and pieces of it. Starting to happen. Anything else to add, Matt?
1: No, I don't think so. I think, well, I mean, uh, yes, but this show is only so long.
0: <laughs> All right. But I think that's going to do it for us today, folks. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast citing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast. A better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ad-free site experience. Again, if you have questions for this or any of our other shows, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, you can go ahead and send them in our Discord channels. We'll be more than happy to uh, peruse them. And thank you, everybody, who sent in last-minute questions. I truly do appreciate it. Uh, one of them I think we're going to wind up reusing for Tuesday show uh and the other ones we will definitely revisit uh in upcoming episodes uh and as one final reminder all of us at blizzard watch continue to stand with the employees of activision blizzard as well as the entirety of the game industry in demanding change for a better tomorrow and a safer working environment as well as all of their efforts to unionize and make sure that everybody is taken care of properly but with that folks we'll see you next week